Welcome to the Turkey Hunter Podcast, the original all-turkey, all-the-time podcast with your co-hosts Andy Galliano and Cameron Weddington. In our weekly podcast, we're going to bring you some wild turkey calling tips like this. From there, we're going to go into, she's aggravated, there's another hen that's challenged her, or she's challenging another hen, she's going to cut an excited yelp. Advice from old pro turkey hunters like this. The turkeys typically don't like, I think, more times than not, to travel in an easterly direction into the sun first thing in the morning, especially after he gets up. It's a blinding thing. It, it, it's just like you. It's hard for you to see into the sun. Mm-hmm. So if I have a choice, I'm going to try to make it so that I'm going to be on the west side in the morning east side in the afternoon of a turkey exciting live hunts like this holy crap they're coming teach you how to cook your bird with advice such as this with some fresh rosemary and garlic and then cool that off and spread that along the inside of that butterflied turkey breast that we've seasoned on both sides wildlife management tips for your property especially with turkeys like this if you look at the type of habitats that turkeys need for nesting and brooding that tends to be habitat that can be managed more successfully with growing season fire than with dormant season fire. And hopefully along the way, we'll get plenty of these. Well, on November the 28th of 1953, I was attached. When I popped out of my mom and the baby doctor spanked me on the bottom, I went, oh, and I've been doing it ever since. <laughs> I like that. Thank you for tuning in, and now, for this week's show. Hello, and welcome back to this week's episode of the Turkey Hunter Podcast. You are listening to episode number 384, Hanging with Chubbs at the Hunting Camp, part two. And I am your co-host, and the guy who froze his rear end off saturday and then sunday was outside with a shirt off (laughs) sounds like alabama to me (laughs) (laughs) well i'm the guy who is on the board all right yes sir you you got a couple of it's been a been a good first couple days here and and i'm i'm gonna reserve i have audio from one of the two turkeys i've taken so it's been a good beginning of the season i've taken two turkeys and i uh, have audio from one of them i do not have audio from the first one but i have an insane story so i'm going to save both of those for a future episode because 
Yeah. The the crazy story one, uh, it's going to take some time. And we got like an hour and a half of chubs here. So yeah. Yeah, <laughs> I, know, got... I know people don't want to hear us talking when we got this. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So. Well, so Saturday I was at the backcountry hunters yeah, and anglers. Go? It was a lot of fun. We had a good time talking turkeys awesome. and hanging out, did a little turkey call contest, owl hooting contest for the kids. It was a lot of fun. And, you know, I, I wish the turnout was a little bit better, but man, it was cold Saturday. So, oh, yeah. It was snowing here. An outdoor event on a day like that, you can't expect a huge turnout, at least in the southeast. Yep. But then Sunday, I was working on my motorcycle getting her all painted up getting ready to put the new guts in her and get her ready for Heck turkey yeah. season and i was outside sweating i mean <laughs> literally sweating and took my shirt off wow i mean less than 24 hours from the time i was i was so cold i was shivering when i got in the car <laughs> to go or to the truck to go to the house i called tammy and said hey will you please fix me a mug of hot chocolate Wow. So when I get home, I can maybe get it warmed up. It was here. You are two weeks cold. before turkey season. <laughs> yeah, no joke. So anyway, it was a good time on Saturday. A lot of fun, and then of course Sunday's just fun. It's just fun doing stuff like that for me. You know, yeah, spending heck yeah. time getting, doing a little getting stuff ready. Yeah, doing a little modification on a on my motorcycle, getting her ready for turkey killing. So. Heck yeah. Anyway, speaking of that, we're eight days, nine hours, 10 minutes, and 46 seconds away from the opening day of spring turkey season in Alabama. Wow. So you're you're right there, man. I'm, I'm after them. So I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm already going. I'm live. Yeah, man. But I know you're excited for Alabama to open up. And every weekend, pretty much, it seems like from here out, there'll be a state coming in. So Yeah. <laughs> There'll be some yeah. excited people in the country every Saturday from henceforth, pretty much. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, we're on, man. It is. Spring has sprung. Tis the season. Absolutely. The the turkeys came in this morning that I called up. They they were gobbling really good. Real nice. Excellent. And it was good for the soul, my friend. Excellent. Good for the soul, but... If y'all have not listened to last week's episode, that is part one to this. So if it seems like when we hop in this interview that it's mid-interview, that's why it is. <laughs> so <laughs> if you want to hear the full deal, you'll need to listen to last week's before this one. So There is no if. You will yeah. want to hear. You'll want to. Yes. So if you hear me talking now and you haven't heard last week's, go back, listen to that, and then start this episode. And... It's going to be a long one. We got really cool info from Chubbs in this one. Kenny Mount back again. So I think we should just hop in there and let people hear it because it's a long one. Let's do it, and we'll see you on the other side. All right, see you on the other side. I had a guy last year. I'd heard this turkey goblin, and you could tell where he was roosted. You needed to just let the situation unfold, okay? You could not force the issue with this turkey from where he decided to roost that night. He was going to have to make a move before you could make a move. You yeah. see what I'm saying? Yeah. Okay, so I'm in my spot waiting on him to make a move. And I hear a box call down below me. And I'm talking, man, I got hot. I mean, I'm I'm sitting here and I'm like, 
this can't be happening because this guy's getting ready to walk right up here and blow this whole thing up. And I had to go to work that morning, so I didn't have time to sit there and let him scare the turkey and then hang out all day and hope things got better, right? So I made the decision. I said, to hell with this turkey, I'm going to stand up. He, he's not going to kill this turkey either. And so I'm, I'm going to stand up because I could already tell he didn't he didn't know where to go if this turkey didn't fly down and Tim shoot him in self-defense. And I turn around and I go confront this guy. And, guys, I'm sorry, but I'm not like a lot of these guys you see on the Internet or wherever else that if people come in where they, oh, it's cool, you know, no problem, man, you know, I understand and all that. Dude, if you see my truck parked somewhere next spring, if you want to – if you're just – had a bad day at the house or your woman's got you mad and you really just want to tangle with somebody come on in there you know and i'm not some tough guy you'll probably beat my ass all up and down the street that's totally cool but i'm gonna put up a fight with you because i just don't have time for it and it's just ignorant and i went down there and had it out with the guy and he's like yeah well you know i mean i was like well you had to park right next to my truck well i mean i saw your truck down there but i didn't know where you were well exactly right that's my whole point dude you didn't know where i was I say all that to say this. I had to go to work, all right? When I got down to my truck, that son of a gun was parked so close to my bumper, I almost couldn't get out of there to go to work. Hmm. I mean, it's not like he just pulled in there. It's almost like he boxed me in there. And I'm just sitting here thinking, this dude had all the cameras. He may have videoed it for all I know. He had cameras mounted all over him. He looked like he was in Star Wars. And he had like a... uh, (laughs) He had like a mounted, uh, a mounted hen decoy carrying this life-size real hen that was mounted through the woods, and this is all public land or whatever. And I'm thinking, what did you do? Did you go to Walmart and get a turkey hunting starter kit or something? You know, that's got you all set up to go, and you borrowed your dad's gun or something, and then come out here and screwed up somebody. <laughs> If you would have known to turn around all that thing, but maybe he learned something. Maybe he learned, okay, but the sad thing is, I doubt he did. He's probably going to do it again. Just pray to God he doesn't do it in there and I'm there. I never but, uh, get when, when people park in on you and there's one gobbling turkey in there and then they're like, well, I didn't know where you were. Uh, I'm on the gobbling turkey. There's one. Where did you think? Well, I was just going to, I was just going to make sure that he did nobody else mess with him. But now that you're here and I know you're here, I'll leave and he's all yours, <laughs> you know? And, and I'm going to, you know, I'm going to armor all your tires for you, too. So when you come out, your tires are shiny. I don't know. I mean, it's, I, I mean, it's just it just seems like you're dealing with more and more people like that that just don't give a dang about yeah. uh, ethics or any of that. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's like, where the, I don't know. Definitely. What do you guys think it is? I mean, just is it just. Is it just the society, the world we live in now? People just uh It is. It's greed. I don't know. It's greed, it's selfishness. People want want to kill them so badly that they don't care if yep. it hurt if it, they screw up another person's hunt, personally. Yeah. I don't know. And and I think a lot of this and I, I'm probably once again wrong. I think a lot of these people that complaining about all this population stuff, I know there's problems. I've seen enough of it to understand that. To how severe they are, that I don't know. But I think it just seems like so many people want everything. We have no patience anymore to do anything. Just drive just drive down the road and just see how, you know, people act on the roads these days and, and everywhere else for that matter. And I think that kind of runs into turkey hunting too like if people aren't killing turkeys every time they go out or hearing a bunch of turkeys or 
if things aren't maybe as easy as they want them. Well, there's a problem. I mean, I'm not saying that, you know, is the case with a lot of this stuff that we're dealing with, but somewhere in my mind, I think it is because if, if you if you want to get good in this game, if you, if you don't have a good work ethic, if you're a lazy individual and you want things to fall in your lap, you need to go find something else to do. Unless you got 10,000 acres of manicured food plots with shooting houses and all that, because I'm pretty sure you can scratch a few out if you're doing that. And that's cool. But if you're going to get dropped off in places you've never hunted before, and, you know, especially if you're traveling the country to do this U.S. Super Slam, since it sounds like everybody and their brother's doing it now, and you're working on a narrow time frame, you better learn how to adapt and you better learn how to roll with the punches and having a plan B, having a plan C or D, E, F, whatever. And that's the whole thing, man. I just think so many people, they want it and they want it now, but they're not willing to pay their dues and just, you know, take it on the chin and just go through this thing knowing that you're never going to cross the finish line and you're always going to deal with adversity. And there's just a lot of days, it's how bad do you want it? Yeah. And I just I just think a lot of these people don't really, they think they want it, but when it comes down to it, I'm not certain that they really do want it. Well, you know? uh, and that was a hell of a rant, I'm sorry. No, no, that's that's not a problem. You know, I, I think that, look, I don't I don't really feel like it's exclusive to turkey hunting. You know, and I don't, I'm like you, Kenny, I don't want to get back on the topic, and I know Cameron doesn't either, but it's not so much just influencers and social media, turkey hunters and social media. I'm just talking social media in general. You get on social media, you see all your buddies, and you see how happy they are with their spouses, how happy they are with their jobs, how happy they are they bought a new car, how happy they are they bought a new house. How happy they are they're at the beach. How happy they are that they killed a turkey. How happy they are they killed a big buck. And, well, if I don't have anything to show on my social media account to show everybody that I'm happy, you know, that I love my wife, that I'm enjoying vacation, that I killed a big buck this year, that, you know, I've I've caught a six-pound bass, then maybe I'm feeling a little inferior. And so, you know, that could have something to do with it, with the selfishness and and just the out and out, you know, not not really caring what you do to another hunter that's in another area, that kind of thing. I don't know. Maybe that's part of what what puts the pressure on us. And, you know, for some of us who are traveling around and trying to complete the Super Slam, you know, that that does create pressure and maybe that creates a need or, or you know, a desire to do things that you wouldn't normally do otherwise or wouldn't do at home, you know, by coming in and blocking somebody in at a parking spot and coming in to the only goblin turkey around in that area. Yeah. You know, yeah, no doubt. so I don't know. I, I mean, maybe that's got something to do with it. I probably would say for some people it does, you know, for me, well, I don't think I've posted a dead turkey on social media in about five or six years. So maybe longer than that. So I don't even, think that's the case for me but i don't know it's it's we're in a me society right now and it, it's and getting it, worse yeah and it's that way regardless of whether we're talking turkey hunting or jobs or whatever it might be so i saw this is gonna I don't be i do see that changing <laughs> no i'm no. with you i'm with you no but 
I was watching it's duck season just ended here, but I was watching some duck hunting videos on, on the YouTube and I saw these dudes in opening day in Arkansas. They camped in their truck for like four days before the season to get their line spot in line. Then uh, this just blew my mind. They had a boat race to get to the spot everybody wanted. And they had a guy on the front in tennis shoes. And when they hit the bank, he took off running to the duck hole. And him and these other people were like trying to outrun each other. They called them hole runners. And <laughs> when I saw wow. that, I was like, these are grown adult men running through the woods trying to get the duck hole first. Like th- this has gotten to a new level of people are wanting to kill something so bad to be successful that they a, a grown man is trying to outrun another grown man to win a duck hole. It's just gotten nuts. If you knew the levels that we have been going to for years on opening day of turkey season down here on in, in certain spots, I mean, I'm not going to go into detail by any means on some of the tricks of the trade and things <laughs> that have had to go down. But it'll blow your mind, and 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 sometimes all that is just absolutely for nothing. Uh, back in the heyday, man, back in like mid to late nineties, I can remember people getting tires cut, uh, physical damage to vehicles because somebody got to a spot that somebody else wanted to go to, and they didn't like it, so they let the air out of their tires or <clears throat> something of that nature. And I'm like, you know, that's just taking it. It's just a little too far. We're just hunting, but. Yeah, man, what you said a minute ago about the whole, let's just face it, just like just uber, just crazy levels of narcissism in our society now. And maybe that's why I never got in social media, not for turkey hunting, but for life in general, because my life is so boring and I don't eat five-star meals seven days a week and don't go on lavish vacations. And, you know, man, I get up and go to work and, you know, we deal with BS and people argue and, you know, you life's just not goes on it's yeah it's just not all what it what it looks like on there and i can remember glancing at that stuff years ago and seeing those pictures and like what are these people doing in life that i'm not because everything they touch turns to gold and all i want to do is go turkey hunting you know and it's just but seriously you bring up a good point because i wonder you know one of the one of the funniest things I've been told, and the guy who told me this, he's going to hear this, and he's probably going to get mad, but he's grown now, so he'll get over it. I said, why the hell do you do all that? I said, you're a great turkey hunter. You know, I mean, you're like one of the best turkey hunters I know, period. Why do you feel the need to do that? And he said, man, I just it's about sharing the hunt. And I just about spit, spit my Zima out. I was like, what? <laughs> And maybe there's some truth to that, and I'm just too naive to get it because most people do like to hear a good turkey hunting story, I guess. But in today's world, everybody else is just sitting around waiting for that guy to finish talking so they can just jump in and tell theirs. Yeah. And very few people really get off on that. I think the reason most people do that crap is to see what you have to say about it or how many people view it or whatever. And so – I think Andy hit the nail on the head. I think it's all about what did Andy think about Kenny's turkey that he posted on so-and-so? <laughs> you know, what did Cameron say about my turkey since it had spurs larger than that little rinky-dink one you killed? You know, or <laughs> some, something like that. Like, I'm probably wrong or whatever, but it. I think you're right, man. It is just it's just, man, it's awesome. Like if I put my pictures and my food every night on the internet for you to see, you would be laughing your ass off. <laughs> I mean, 
And you know what? I would expect somebody to be pulling up in the driveway with a Louisville slugger to wrap it around my neck going, man, what in the hell is wrong with you? <laughs> you know? Don't you have to be working or something, you know? Yeah. I don't know, man. But, yeah, that, who knows where we're going to be in 10 years from now, maybe in just a couple of years. Yeah. yeah. Speaking of turkey hunting stories, Cameron's got a question for you. He wants he wants to yeah, uh, I he probably wants you don't to share an one. Yeah, I, I just like the way you spin stuff, so I, I thought I'd ask, and I, I feel like you've probably met a few turkeys in your day, but has there been one turkey, you know, I don't know if you ever named a gobbler, you know, people do that, but I've had one that I've named and I never killed him, but mm-hmm. is there a specific turkey in your mind when somebody, you know, kind of brings up stories of bad birds they could not kill for anything? Has there been one in your history that has really stood out to you? You know, it's, it's, uh, to, to go ahead and let you down, I don't have any, like, I don't have any, like, killer, like, just evil turkey stories because, yes, a lot of that, that stuff, I think, is proportional to where you are in your career when you meet them. So, for example, like, I can go back to the 90s and I can think of some gobblers that I gave credit that didn't exist. That yes, I can remember one turkey that that I hunted on this uh, some public land, and me and an older guy hunted him, and we named him Bigfoot. And I look back at those with the way we were hunting Bigfoot now, and what we were doing 25 years ago to hunt that turkey, and there were so many reasons that those turkeys became legends or whatever because the strategies that were utilized to try to kill them were just pretty much laughable. So I think I think a lot of that is relevant to and I know I'm taking a serious take on something that's supposed to be like funny but yeah I mean I you know I've got turkeys that I've hunted that just were rough but if you got the time to hunt them like we talked about last year you you can figure out a way to kill just about any of them you know yeah Yeah. um but yeah I mean there's always been some turkeys you know that that you look back on and you're like man that was an evil rascal that just they just do bad stuff and uh just it's so much so much of the time, they just have an uncanny, uncanny ability to avoid danger. It's just that sixth sense of them to pick something out that's not that's not right. And so many people would kill more turkeys. I probably shouldn't say this, but so many people would kill so many more turkeys if they stopped treating a turkey like he's some just mythical creature, like he can see through trees and rock piles and smell you from a mile away and know that your hen yelp is a you know lynch box from the co-op that they hadn't been chalked in three years. I don't know, man. I just, it's just funny. Like, I mean, people think that, you know, if you're moving at a tree and you sit down on a goblin turkey that you're making mistakes. But a lot of the times those people don't realize they're telling you they're inexperienced because they don't realize what you can get away with on a turkey, you know? And there's just so many nuances to the game that I haven't figured it all out by any means, but if you do something for, you know, 25 or 30 years and you haven't figured something out, well, you're in trouble. And, but yeah, man, not to, not to steer off course, but yes, there are some turkeys. Do I have like just some old mean turkey that I never killed that just, yeah, probably from back in the day when I was, had been turkey hunting for a few years. But if it gets bad enough, I'm going to, if I find one and he just really just, you know, people overhunt them too, and they get stuck on these turkeys. And I've, I'm not, I've never been one to do that. Like, yeah. if I go through an area and I strike a turkey and I don't kill him, I try to figure out why I didn't kill him, what's going on, what's he doing, where is he? I may come back and hunt him again, but very rarely would it be the next. It's just so many things go involved with that that I will not waste a week 
for a season or 10 days on one turkey. I'm just not going to do it. Yeah. Um, I think you're right there because I I think if you hunt them three days in a row, I mean, you are going to do things similarly, even if you think you're not, but your cadence, your call, even if you change calls, you do things a certain way. And I think that gobbler, especially if he knows it was you, maybe you bumped him day one. I feel like he's, he's going to figure that deal out. I mean, I do think they have some type of memory in that case. And I think a lot of those turkeys that you're asking about, we dig our own hole with them. I can think about a gobbler. Let me just try to give you something to go off of so it's not a complete bust. Jeez. I mean, hell, I, I'm on the verge of having to make something up, but I'm like, all right, here we go. I can, I can remember, I can remember the first year that there were two turkeys. You, you got time for two of them. I'll make them quick. Okay. Um, there were two turkeys in this season that, that were neat. This was the first year that Dave said, okay, you know, let's, we hunted a lot together this spring and it was 2018. And I took him, we went in a spot, probably the season in Alabama had been in about a week. And this turkey was in this spot the year before 2017, the last couple days of the season, I found him in there. And I had bad luck with this turkey. Like, I thought I was going to kill him right out of the gate. He caught me with my pants down on the side of a ridge that I had nowhere to go because I did not realize he was going to be getting there as quick as he did. I hadn't been calling to him or anything. He was just, he was making a move. I was trying to outflank him, and he was obviously walking faster than I thought he was. So he caught me, and that started this whole thing. And then it just seems like you spook him accidentally. You spook him and... You make a turkey that was otherwise really killable, and now you've you've blown your cover, so to speak. Yeah, now he's so scared. absolutely. So anyway, I, I said, you know what? I'm going to come in here the last day of the season, and I'm going to kill you just because I want to. And long story short, I played that turkey so good the next morning. Like I mean, I out. He had told me enough the first morning. I said, okay, I know. I think I know what you're going to do, and I'm going to kill you, and you're never going to know I'm going to be here. And the plan worked to raw perfection. The problem was I fell asleep. Mm. I was so tired sitting there, and I had he had gobbled, and I said, okay, if I call to him from this location, he's going to go to this location. I've got to beat him to that location, right? Yeah. He was not going to come to wherever you called from. So, And you had to see the landscape to kind of put the pieces of the puzzle together. So I called to him, and he gobbled, and I made my move. And I sat there, and I waited, and I waited, and I fell asleep. And I was like, oh, my God. And I woke up, and guess what? He was about 15, 18 yards. My gun's laying on the ground, flush on the ground. It's not in my lap. Flush on the, just completely flush on the dirt. And the turkey's about 15, 18 yards at about 6, 30, 7 o'clock. He has not made me out yet or anything. And you can be an idiot and think you can quick draw one, but you let me know how that works out for you. (laughs) So that did not come to fruition. I started reaching for my gun and just very slowly, and the turkey just slowly kept walking, and he literally walked out of my life. And I said, you know what? If you're here next year, I want want to meet you. So fast forward, take Dave, and we go over to this spot, and it was a Saturday morning. It was a really overcast morning. There wasn't much going on, and we did not start out in his neighborhood. We just slowly worked our way in there and got there around mid-morning, right? And we get down in there, and we call, and he hits it, and guess what? 
he's right in the same spot he was a year before. And you say to yourself, is it the same turkey? Well, hell, we didn't know. He didn't have a clue. He's the exact same spot, but so what? It could have been a two-year-old or another turkey. Well, we start slowly advancing on the turkey, and he would answer a call like once every 15, 20 minutes. He would, he almost he acted like he had a hen with him, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we're slowly, you know, getting up there or whatever, and the closer we got to the turkey, he started drifting back to his little spot. And that started telling me as we were advancing toward the turkey, this may be him because his behavior is exactly like it was He's doing the same thing that he did last year, like to the T. Yeah, he has a tactic. But this is the, sure, and the, this is the first time I've ever had anybody in there with me. So it's, it was just me before. And so we get in there, and he goes into this little spot, and if you could see the spot he was going in, it made sense on why a turkey would go there because he was completely protected on all four sides, and he had a great field of view on all four sides. It's basically a broad swell with open timber. And, um, I, you know, I told Dave and we agreed, you know, the only way we're going to kill him is I'm going to have to go the other direction and hopefully I'll strike his nerves occasionally enough to give you the drop on him and you get in there and kill him, right? Yeah. That may be dirty poker to your old school traditionist turkey hunters that feel like you have to yelp once every 15 minutes and shoot him at 25 yards. Well, you know what? Get over it because we're, we're hunting them to kill them and, if that's a legal tactic, and if it works, so be it. Hey man, and brother. it worked to it worked to perfection. I was able to walk away, and he. I had a glass or crystal call. I, they're all glass to me. I don't care what it is. It's a glass call, <laughs> and he would he would hit that. He he didn't like. He didn't even. He wouldn't even answer Dave's. Uh, you know, he had won the Grand Nationals that year, and like he didn't care if we blew mouth calls or whatever, but he liked the crystal for some reason. Dave will argue with me until he's, we're blue in the face on that deal. So anyway, he was able to slip in there and kill him. And when I tell you he was a stud, I mean, that turkey was an absolute stud. And he just about got away. Like, Dave, he was just about to, to, to hit the road, and Dave was able to kill him. We didn't measure the spurs, but every bit of inch and three-eighths, you know, right under inch and a half. Just a heck of a turkey. And it just goes to show you that, you know, sometimes bringing a buddy in the mix can make the difference on a on a turkey like that because he felt like that danger was leaving him. Yeah. Little did he know that it was getting closer to him. But that was a cool turkey. But I think he was hard because I had bumped him, you yeah. know, a time or two before. And he was old, too, and had had a lot of pressure. But one more, and then I'll, I'll, I'll wrap it up. One Saturday, I was out of state hunting. Uh, I don't know where I was. And Dave went alone over in and we were hunting in Georgia, and he found this turkey that was gobbling pretty good on this like Razorback Ridge. And he ended up calling me, and telling me later in the day, he said, "Man, I found one, and I thought I was going to kill him, but he came in and he was just he was just all business and just turned around and left and acted real funky." And I'm like, "All right, well we'll get in there and we'll figure it out." Well, we go over in there, and this turkey's gobbles later in the morning on the same ridge where Dave had fooled with him a few days before, and we cross this creek and we come up the side of the ridge that he's on and Dave had learned enough in the first day that he hunted him the turkey didn't want to use the top of this particular ridge he wanted to use the sides he would not come up to you if you were on the top Mm. and the sides were obviously more broad and more open the top was really sharp for the most part Um, but he didn't want to come up to the top and so we after the first hunt, we had already made our mind up. We're going to approach him at least sideways, okay? So we crossed the creek, and we're going straight down the side of the ridge, and little did we know, he's coming to us, too, just randomly, because that's how he used this ridge. 
And we get set down on the turkey. We called to him. I had got in this treetop of this big pine tree. It was an absolute fantastic hide. I can't remember where he got, but he didn't have quite the hide as far as, like, complete concealment. And here comes the gobbler. And he's just slowly meandering around the side of the ridge, and he's got one little drain that he's got to come through. And once he comes up out of that drain, just a few more yards, and he's going to be close quarters. And the turkey comes through there, and he comes through the little drain. And as soon as he comes out the other side, he just turns, looks at us, and just turns and walks away from it. He saw something. Something was out of place. People will say that he saw me. People will say he saw Dave. We don't have a clue. Nobody knows. But yeah. now this is two encounters with this turkey, and we've yet to cut the safety off or, or, or get a shot at it. So, all right. We had to travel, go out of town or whatever. We came back in there, and Dave had, was in, he was like in Idaho or somewhere, and I came in there, and I went to hunt him again, third time. And he didn't gobble early that morning. Long story short, he gobbled, and he was on the back side of the ridge. I crossed the hollow, got above him, started going down the back of the ridge, figuring I got to get off this top if I'm going to kill him, right? And so I got off the top, and he's a little bit more receptive. He comes down crosses this short hollow, and I think, I'm getting ready to kill him. I'm like, man, this is this is getting ready to go down. But unbeknownst to me, the little spur I had decided to set up on, I didn't have time to do a 20-minute Onyx map session. It was kind of like fly by the seat of your pants. <laughs> I didn't know that the spur had just a little bit of a drop on it, and then it went out and leveled again, right? Yeah. So I'm sitting there, and I hear him, and he comes down in the bottom, and he's coming up my spur. And I'm thinking, okay, this is getting ready to happen. And I'm sitting at a beautiful monster red oak. It was big enough to hide me. So that's pretty big. And I'm sitting there, and there's no way this turkey's going to pick me out. And he gets quiet. He's not drumming. He's coming in quiet. And something said, he's flanking left. He's flanking left. And about the time I got ready to shift over to the left, he had hit that little is almost like a little flat on the on the spur, which completely hit him, and he periscoped me at about once again fifteen or twenty yards, right? <laughs> and I saw his I saw his cap come up, and about the time my brain could register what was happening, hell, it was too late. I mean, you might as well just go ahead and throw the towel on at that point. <laughs> he pulled the head he pulled the head back down. I never saw him run. He didn't fly. He didn't alarm put. He was just gone. I mean, yeah, just vanished. Yeah. vanished and i'm like you know some idiot would have stood up and started shooting or whatever like that best to just take your losses like that and let him go on and and minimal impact you know so dave came home and i told him i said that little dirty man i was cussing him like a storm you know the, the turkey because i had to go to work and whatever but we came up with a plan we were going to go hunting the next morning which was the last day of the season and uh sure enough you know we go in there and the turkey's this turkey's rocking it on the limb and we get set up and um we made a mistake because we thought we were on this this turkey but come to find out it was another turkey and the turkey we were in there on was across the hollow on another point well the turkey we sat there and called to you can go watch it on one of the videos is the, the first year there um he stayed in the tree for like an hour after daylight and we're like what in the hell's going on you know well he stayed in the tree because of this turkey that we were in there trying to kill you know, it was just a devil. And this turkey finally flew down. I guess you could just, let's just call him a subordinate turkey. It's the first time we had heard two turkeys right there. Yeah. And um, when he flew down, that was the straw that broke the camel's back. Because even though the other gobbler was answering what we were doing to him as far as the hen yelping, when that other turkey flew down and that gobbler knew 
or this is how I read it. When that gobbler flew down and he knew he was on the ground and there was a hen over in that area, mm-hmm. or hens, shall I say, that caused him to make an advancement. We just, I just wasn't far enough down the same spur that I was on the day before when he saw me. I just wasn't far enough down that spur, and he literally went right below me, climbed up the next spur. I'm watching this whole thing transpire. Walks up the next spur and goes over there and just absolutely thrashes this turkey. You know? (laughs) And long story short, after that happened, the gobbler, I'm assuming it was the one that lost or whatever, flanked back around behind us. I sat at a spot. I didn't like it, but we were caught with our pants down. The gobbler came up. You can hear the gobbler putting on the video and sees me sitting there. I just about had a mental breakdown because I thought it was over. And then the other turkey ended up getting spooked. I think it was a coyote or something. And I just luckily got a shot at him. Did we call him in and yelp him down the barrel of the gun like you know you wanted to do? No, we killed him. Unbelievable turkey had like, once again, really long spurs. But that was one of those turkeys. It was just like, I don't know what the hell it was going to take to kill that turkey other than an absolute just truckload of luck. You know, yeah, yeah. and that's yeah. what it ended up. That's exactly what it took to kill the turkey was just sheer luck. Like it wasn't skill. It wasn't woodsmanship or championship calling. We just happened to be within shotgun range when he came cruising by. But what do you do? Are you not supposed to kill one because you, you don't call him up or whatever? But that turkey had an uncanny ability to avoid danger at the last minute you ever you ever met one like that you think you got him you think you got him whipped and he's coming and next thing you know he's gone and it seemed like everything we did with that turkey was was wrong you know yeah that's what my mentor always said some of them have it's like they're charmed they always seem to slip out there at the last minute yeah, and I don't know if that was the story you were looking for. I don't have any, like, you know, really, really, really cool old, because so much of that stuff was when I was younger. But I just, I think a lot of these turkeys, we create them, we make them harder. Like, it seems like your best chance to kill a gobbler is the first time you sit down on him. 100%. I mean, yeah, and a lot of these gobblers that are harder to kill, it's because they don't, you haven't realized they've already picked off what you're doing before you do it. Yeah. You know, so many people. I listened to um, some of your podcasts that you recently had with the two biologists that discussed the public land hunting. Yeah. I think it was about, you know, the way people hunt, not turkeys so much, but about people. Yeah. Because that's like really intriguing to me is like how other people do what we love to do. And, you know, I, I'm interested in that because we all get lackadaisical. We all want to walk logging roads and we all want to, yeah. you know, get there the easiest way or whatever, but approach and stuff like that is so important. And I can't believe, of course, y'all, this may offend y'all or whatever, but I bet there's some South Carolina hunters not too happy with that because I was like, oh my God, you know, I was, I mean, that's going to, those are the kind of things that like we talked about last June, maybe I'm overreacting, but like, I don't hunt there, don't know anything about it, but I'll guarantee you somebody's going to go there because of that. Y'all agree or not? Oh Yeah. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So that's that's this fine line we have to walk. It's like we have to be careful what we say now because everybody's looking for a everybody's Easy looking pit. for a nugget. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a flock of turkeys there, so I'm in. Yeah, and I don't know. Like I said, I don't. I've never never hunted there. Don't know anything about it. But I was like, I guarantee you, there's some local right now that's dog cussing you guys. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. So yeah, but you can't make everybody happy, you know. 
Yep. There's no well, doubt about that. Yep. Yeah, no doubt. I don't think anybody in the Well, Kenny, another great one, man. I, I'm glad we don't ever come into these with you with any certain topic in mind because it just always goes the way it needs to go. <laughs> Well, I feel like this one was probably a little bit more by the book and probably a little bit more bland and people that were looking for a bunch of silliness are going to be, you know, uh, super unhappy or whatever. But I mean, I think this whole, this whole state thing with, you know, losing, losing some season and I don't care if they reduce the limit to four or whatever. I could care less about that. It's just the time to get to go out. And, uh, that's you know I think that's just kind of got a somber mood for myself and I know so many other guys that that I've got some friends that hunt Georgia and they're just like sick to their stomach. Oh, they bad. cannot can't, hunt, can't hunt public till the night. I like, I can't imagine Georgia. They lost a lot of opportunity that state did, and I mean a whole lot, especially public land hunters. It it really would make me sick if I was a Georgia native, but. Yeah, I mean Part two weeks, man. I mean that's not it's not like they just we got we lost a week, but I just can't imagine them saying, All right, well now you can't hunt till April the ninth and I'm like, Man, that's just I think, you know, all summer it was brewing in the back of my mind and once it hit fall it was like really started thinking about it. And once it hit the new year, I was like, This is real. Like we really can't legally turkey hunt till April the first. I'm like, You've gotta be kidding me, man. Yeah. Well, what was wild, I don't know if you listened to the episode we did with the guy with the pseudonym, but what's wild with Georgia is they did all this crap to basically take a ton of opportunity from their residents, and they paid a popular YouTube group to come there and promote their turkey hunting at the same time. Yeah, so that like, that stuff really is it's just it's just it's so polarizing to me because I don't I don't understand that. Like why do you want to have anyone, you know, publicize your hunting like that, which is going to increase your revenue and then take it away, especially from the resident. Yeah. I, I don't I don't understand that line of thinking. Like, I mean, I'm not the sharpest tool in the shed, but that doesn't make any sense to me. And why why pay anyone to publicize it? I don't well, what's the, what's the logic the, in paying those people? How do you sell that to your residents? Like, hey, we're trying to help the turkeys by not killing as many, so we're taking these opportunities from you. But, hey, here's these guys to promote more people to come here and kill turkeys. That, well, when you look at it from a business standpoint, a dollars and cents standpoint, how many residents are going to say, you know what, you took two weeks away from my turkey season, I'm not going to hunt, I'm not going to buy a license, close to zero? Absolutely, very few. Yeah, Yeah. so... If, If any. Yeah, so what you end up doing is you still are getting those people to come in, but now you've promoted the state to non-residents who are going to come to your state in droves now because not only has your state been hot-spotted, but a particular WMA or National Forest has been hot-spotted. And, you know, hey, me, I'm just Joe Blow, but I can turkey hunt as good as XYZ social media influencer and look how much success they have. So, you know, I, I, I can go to to Georgia and and have that kind of success, all I have to do is go to this same WMA or same national forest. And so you're raising more money, but you're stabbing your residents in the back and (laughs) probably hurting your turkey population as well. But did the same thing happen to Tennessee? 
I, oh, yeah. I, wait, 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 let me let me rephrase that. You didn't have the season stipulations like the the they didn't bump the season up two weeks for the residents and stuff like that. But yeah, I don't know how that whole you know paying people to publicize hunting and stuff works because like. I know the state game and fish departments need so much more money. I know they're so just underfunded. I see it on a daily basis around my parts because I can remember when I was younger, so the, the, the state put so much time and money into the, the public land, and it just doesn't exist anymore. But I understand somewhat why. It's it's just the, you know, the nature of the beast. But as far as like paying a quote-unquote influencer to promote a deer, turkey, or whatever it is, and then turning around and cutting the time away from the residents from there, like who in the hell had the board meeting and said, guys, I've got it. Mm-hmm. We just <laughs> – we just publicized, you know, this. We put it out there for the masses to, on what great deer and turkey hunting and everything else that we offer. But what we're going to do is we're going to shorten those opportunities, which is ultimately going to affect non-resident revenue drastically. And let's let's move forward with that. Like it's you couldn't have made a more bonehead decision, in my opinion. Yeah. Let me. So I live in Tennessee and. This is a very passionate topic of mine, but and I researched it heavily. I'll, I'll give the Cliff Notes version. They took a bird off our bag limit, made quite a few of the WMAs open. I think most of them open like April 17th or 20th now, two weeks later, and a lot of them at least. And then they're doing the study. They're, they're going to end up going to two birds and reduce our season by two weeks, almost, if I had to guess, indefinitely next year if I, if I was a betting man. But they also did what Georgia did, paid a popular influencer group, and they had a video of the guys literally saying, if you want to travel to hunt turkeys, Tennessee's one of our favorite states. Come to Tennessee. And they did that mm-hmm. the same year they cut our bag limit. And I'm not alpha turkey hunter guy, but I, I'm, I got my four pretty much every year for the past I don't know how long. And so basically took one out of my freezer and we still killed more turkeys here than our five-year average last year. And uh, then what really got me is they gave the communications person who orchestrated this an award because Tennessee had the highest growth in hunting and fishing license sales in the United States last year. And I'm like, you took away our opportunity and you're doing this? This doesn't doesn't make sense. Zero. I mean, it's just absolute just... These can't go together. And, and you know, bringing this up with this influencer thing, because I'm not up to speed with it like like you guys are as far as, like, I don't watch all the people on YouTube that, that put a turkey hunting video on. And I'm not necessarily taking up for some of them either, like, because obviously I know Dave and have been on some of his videos and stuff. So I'm not specifically taking up for Dave or anything like that. But... There are some outlets on there that I have been blown away by in their lack of concealment, so to speak. Like when they go to a new state, some of the stuff would lead me to believe that it it has to be intentional that it made the final cut. uh, Because you hear so many of these guys complaining about the time it takes, which it's true. Uh, I've seen seen him doing it in the past to edit one of these videos that you see that may take – a 15 or 30 minute video, they could have anywhere between eight to 15 hours worth of editing it, editing into it. So it is a lot of work. So they could, they can pick and choose what they leave in there uh, and what they, and what they don't. And some of it is just like, you don't have to be a rocket scientist to figure out where a lot of these hunts are taking place. Um, Hmm. However, on the flip side of that, 
there are a couple of people out there that make it a lot harder to pick out where they're hunting. Now, you may know they're hunting in Alabama, and you hear all these people now like, just don't name the states. Like, you don't have to name what states you're hunting in. I'm, I'm I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't know because, yeah, I know Dave and, like, that stuff, but I guarantee you there's a lot of his videos that he's gone hunting in other states that obviously I've never asked him, but I don't know where he's hunting. Yeah. Really, I don't give a dang, but some of these guys, I think, do a decent job or a few others better than not on concealing where they're hunting. But some of them, you don't have to watch it for five or 10 minutes. And you're like, like they're dropping nuggets on there that anybody could put together. But these poor souls that sit at home and analyze these videos to look for that stuff. <laughs> it's like, if you've got to follow Dave Owens or some of these other guys around and in hopes that you're going to go out and have the success he's had or whatever hunting turkeys, you need to drop back and punt because it's, it's just not, it's just not always going to be that way. And it's like I said, when I first talked to you guys, when I started this whole super slam thing, when I started traveling out of state, first time I went out of state was 1995. That's how old I am. If I just knew there were turkeys there, like you could say, Hey, uh, we're going to go to XYZ management area. If you know there's a huntable amount of turkeys there, then learn how to figure it out. Yep. That's the challenge of this game. That's what's so rewarding. Yeah. Like, the uh, with the, the last turkey I killed for the Super Slam, myself nor Dave had ever hunted that place, and we did not know one person who had, ever. It's not like I said, hey, call, call Scotty. He hunted Arkansas. Let's go where he killed a turkey. Now, I'm not saying we're some big bad, you know, cats because we went somewhere that we'd never hunted and found some turkeys and killed them. That's part of this whole game. Isn't that what makes it fun? Yeah. I mean— and that's like we're all these people that just rip these guys on YouTube apart. Trust me, some of them need ripping apart, 100%. I agree with you. I never would have thought when I remember watching turkey hunting on YouTube for the first few times that people would be getting paid to publicize a site to go hunting there. Like, it makes sense. It's advertisement. I get it. But how much of that, how much of these people are hunting those states just to get the check versus, I mean, you've got to think of the damage. I don't know. I just... I know hindsight's twenty twenty. We may not have seen it that way when you know when they were doing it or whatever. But do you think it would change the dynamics of the game? But the vibe I'm getting, it's not changing it. Maybe I'm wrong. People yeah. are going to just keep doing it because people got to make a living. And to hell with what happens, you know. That's pretty much it. it. I think it's been a progression because of how things have grown. Where early in the stage, it was like if they named a WMA specifically, obviously that could be problematic. But some of them have gotten so big that, like, for instance, the three videos I saw the paid people make for Tennessee last year, a culmination of the three, 660,000 views. I mean, That's pretty heavy. Yeah. Yeah. You name one state there. I mean, if 10% show up, that whole state's getting hammered, you know. If 1% shows up. Yeah. That, that doubles our non-resident license sales. Yep. I mean— it's unbelievable. So it, it's, to me, it's grown to the point where I don't, you know, yeah, if you got 20 guys following you on Facebook, if you say you're hunting Tennessee, you're not doing much damage. But if you're getting paid to promote it to 660,000 people, you're sending a lot of people to hunt that state. 
It's 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 really murky, man. It is because so many people have come down here with video cameras in the past three to four years, I guess, and they just. I heard a podcast. It's been about a year ago, and this guy said uh, I was going to work one morning, just jonesing for something turkey hunting, and I'd never even heard of this outfit. And they had a podcast on for for turkey hunting here in Alabama, and I'm like, I got to listen to this. And really, right out of the gate, the guy said, you know, I had watched a very popular YouTube hunting channel that was had recently done some hunting in Alabama. And he said, I was literally in the area of this public land less than a half hour and recognized a landmark on where these guys got into some turkeys. And, I mean, it's right there for everybody to listen to. And it's like, I mean, they got a video. They got a show you know, they got to show some stuff that you can't edit every tree and every everything out. But it's like that that gave that guy all he needed to get started. And it's just like, where do you draw the line? I mean, it's just I don't know. I think some of the guys do a really good job with trying to keep it on the DL. And the other guys, I think they're like, we're probably never going to go hunting there again. So we're just going to show everything we can. I have no clue. <laughs> Yeah, but it is Whatever happens, happens, you know, I guess. I don't know. But it, at some point in the game, like. We, we, you know, we could sit here and kick it until we're blue and, you know, just, I mean, it's not, I don't know, do you, what do you, what do you do? Cause it's not going to, it doesn't seem like it's going to quit. It's just like the, the narcissism we were talking about earlier with the whole, you know, look at me, my trips and food and cars and houses and all that kind of stuff. But it's the same with like turkey hunting on, on TV, on the internet. Now, anybody can do it. Everybody, you know, Dave has mentioned to me in the past, it's he gets bombarded all the time by people who admire what he does and they want to kind of do the same thing. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, I mean, you can't stop these people from going and buying a camera and filming it. And I don't know, man. I just, it's just something we're just having to deal with, like the states, you know, cutting our turkey hunting off. Next thing you know, that everybody you see in the woods is going to have a video camera. You know, <laughs> I think it was. I think you were one of them, but I'm going to ask you the question. I think you were a sure. guest who we had on the on the show before who answered this question the way that I, I think you did. Okay. If you were redoing your Super Slam, what would you do mm-hmm. differently? Oh, yeah. I think everybody that's answered it on there is, is the same answer. Yeah, I mean, because I know Cameron said everybody that you as an, you guys have interviewed that have completed it said all the same thing. Just slow down. And, you know, it goes to to what my dad has always said my dad's traveled the world hunting and he always says it's the journey not the destination and he's not the first person to ever say that but it's the journey that makes for the experiences and the journey makes for the fun and nine times out of ten, the journey is where the great stories come from. Isn't that right, Cameron, from a duck hunting trip on Sunday? Yeah. So, you know, my I'm saying all that to say this. Take the time and use the tools that we have, which are vast compared to what we had 20 years ago, and do your own research. Go find your own WMA or National Forest or private hunting land spot. Call a farmer. Call a hundred farmers. Go find your own spot and then you've got a story to tell. 
Then you've got an experience to share. Then you've got experiences that you've learned from that no one can take away from you. And if you want to share those with a child, a parent, family member, best friend, whatever, then you got something you can share. But because John Doe goes to XYZ WMA in Alaska and kills a turkey, well, do something different. Be different. Everybody, anybody can go there and kill a turkey. You've just been shown how to do it. So, you know, listen to these guys that have finished their super slams. If that's what your goal is, is to finish a super slam, listen to these guys that have finished their super slam and they'll tell you, slow down and enjoy it. Because unless you're going to be 15 years old when you finish yours, you probably are not going to be the first one to do something unique about it so i think it's lost to uniqueness and you know as far as that's concerned yeah 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 Yeah. i can remember telling tanner you know when he made his mind up to start doing it you know i was like looking at his age and and this has been a long time ago this has been eight years ago you know and and it's like a lot has changed in eight years especially in turkey hunting and i was like man if you if you keep this up i can't imagine anyone this young to have completed this and he finished it, and he's like 29 years old, and I'm sure there's somebody else younger that's already done it. Uh, I don't know that, but it, it doesn't matter. It's not Even if he was, it's not going to hold long at all because there's so many kids so much younger than him that are, have already started it, and these kids killing 15, 20 states a spring. And I'm like, God, mm-hmm. dang, that's, I can't imagine having that flexibility. We've discussed that in the past, but yeah. everything you just said that goes back to something you said earlier. It's all relevant to what you said earlier about the people, not just turkey hunting, life, about me, me, me. Yeah. And I'll give you an example. A few years ago, I don't, I don't know this individual, but was in Alabama turkey hunting and, and kind of got on one of those little hot streaks, right? You can turkey hunt for just a few years and you, go, you can get on a hot streak. You don't have to be a 25, 30-year veteran to enjoy hot streaks. Mm-hmm. It's just like anything else in this world. I can look back when I just got started and it I had some seasons and weeks that were that I would have thought I was Paul Butsky, but it was just looking back, it was just luck, you know? So this cat gets on a hot streak down here in Alabama and, you know, obviously is announcing it to the world because it's getting back to me. And a friend of mine happened to be coming into town to hunt with me for a few days, does not even know this individual. And this individual is sending him detailed information on where there were still goblin turkeys when he left. Now, why in the hell would you do that? I'll tell you why. Because people want notoriety. People want to be recognized for something. People, and and maybe I'm being a little narcissistic in my own right, because here I am doing a podcast with you guys. But why would you offer that up unless you weren't trying to gain something with somebody that maybe you look up to or you know is a hell of a turkey hunter? I am I for sure wouldn't do something like that unless it was a friend of mine and he was just on his last morning and, and needed some direction or something. I'm not going to go, hey, man, you're going to Mississippi? Well, let me just... Let me just send you over a whole book full of knowledge. Mm-hmm. That's not how this stuff operates, man. Or it doesn't It doesn't in my little group of friends anyway. But that blew my mind, and it still does to this day. And guess what? I don't know who else was told because some of those areas started getting pressure 
that they had never seen from people all over. I may be wrong, but it would lead me to believe that it was shared with all kind of people, wouldn't you think? Yeah. Because all of a sudden, these spots, and these aren't spots that I hunt or fool around in. I know about them, obviously, because I've hunted here. But now a whole bunch of people know about them because somebody's got to be the hero. Somebody's got to be the, man, I I put them boys on those turkeys. That was all me. It Mm -hmm. all comes back to people wanting to be patted on the back and looked at. And just like we talked about a year ago, or excuse me, in June, what brought me to this sport was the secrecy, how turkey hunters were looked at, like just almost like different human beings. You didn't have to have a Honda Big Red and wear Blaze Orange to do it. And, you know, I just I always felt like we were kind of, if I could ever get there, like I'd be in a, in a very unique club. But I knew it was something that I was going to have to earn my stripes. And it wasn't just going to be something that was just handed over, you know, on a, on a plaque. And I think all these kids now, they just want to get in the club, but they don't want to pay their dues. And it's like that secrecy and that line and all that, those bad things, man, that's what made it so cool. And now everybody just wears it on their sleeve. Yeah. And if you're going to wear it on your sleeve, don't come around me because I don't, I don't like, like, like it when you wear it on your sleeve or anybody for that matter. And I know that's a little got off track, but I think it all goes back to what you said earlier. I think it's all where people are now yeah. with themselves and it's destroying it for people who still give a damn about it, you know, and, it's just, I don't know, it's just, it's frustrating to see the changes. And I knew they would happen, but I never thought it'd be happening at the rate they're happening. But I don't know, man. But anyway, so yeah. didn't mean to rant on that. But, you know, if you go to a state and you find some turkeys, you want to share it with your brother, share it with them. But don't start sending it to people you don't know. Yeah. What the hell are you thinking? <laughs> I mean, seriously, how stupid can a man be? Would you do that? Hey, Cameron, I want to come to Tennessee next year. When we get off the phone, would you please text me all your pins from your Onyx of where I can go hear some turkeys gobble next spring? I honestly would be much more inclined to, like, take you to my private land and let you hunt with me on somewhere you can't come back to on your free will than I would drop my public spots, if you know what or, I mean. Or you could just give me your banking information. Yeah. Because I would, I would <laughs> gladly, I would gladly give you my financial information before I give you a bunch of handouts. Yeah, yeah. just not happening, and it's nothing personal. Yeah. It's just not happening. Yeah, it's just not hot. And you know what? If you ask me, I would probably say some things to you that would sever this deal because you know better. You you, you got to know better at this point in the game. Just <laughs> you just you just don't do it. Yeah, <laughs> take yeah. my lady to dinner i don't care come over here and play guitar for her while i'm turkey hunting i could care less <laughs> don't mess with me about about that kind of stuff you know i mean anyway rant over moving on but it's been fun guys thanks for Man. putting up with it again yeah i've enjoyed yeah, it I've we'll enjoyed do it again it. sometime I, I hope you have a heck of a spring i hope it just is full of goblin two-year-olds and old turkeys late season and you just own them every day of the season i I really do hope that for you isn't that every man's dream do you guys ever have nightmares i do this every year i have a nightmare like once a year before the season starts that i hear a turkey gobbling and i have no freaking clue 
what to do, where to go or anything. It's like this deer in the headlights reaction. And I'm like, oh, my God, what's going to happen if I do hear one gobble? What am I going to do? And then, you know, obviously yeah. the season gets here and you find yourself in the heat of the, of the battle and you kind of pick up where you left off or, you know, but that that always bothers me. I'm like, have I, has everything that's happened up until this point been sheer luck and now I'm getting ready to be dealt with a season where yeah. I have exactly. to make like real decisions and yeah. it's not going to work? <laughs> you know? Yeah. No, you, you're exactly right. It, it is a panic moment before season of like, I, I, something sounds different about my calling. I just, I've forgotten most everything. Uh, you know, you just, you don't know how to handle it when one gobbles. And then you're exactly right. You get in opening day, hits it. And you're like, all right, game on. Well, just Cameron, this spring, when you go hunting, make sure you carry, you know, 10 or 12 strikers, two or three pot calls and, you know, a couple different species of wood for your box calls and the trumpet yelpers. And I mean, you know, it's like, you just, you just read about all that crap and it blows my mind. I'm like, how in the hell these guys really do need to go to the gym and start climbing Hills. If they're going to carry that many calls, you know, <laughs> well, <laughs> to, plus, to hell with yeah. actually getting on a Turkey, but just toting three or four box calls. My God. Cameron has plus, to carry all that stuff. Cause he's going to lose 50% of what he's got when he's yeah, in the that, woods. So that's a fact. Half my stuff goes onto the yard sale while I'm walking through the woods, but you, you forgot you, you got to have a camera you know, and, and three cameras on your body and a GoPro and a Tacticam. So there's another 40 pounds. Real quick, this will take like 20 seconds. I went out, I was out of state hunt last year and went in on this spot. It's the first morning I was there and um, set at this huge white oak tree. And there were these turkeys that were in there with some hens and ended up, ended up killing the turkey from the same tree, you know, this whole thing started at. And I brought the turkey back up and laid him by the tree and was sitting there or whatever, chilling. And I felt something down up under my butt because I kind of repositioned on the tree. So I pulled the leaves back, and, man, it was the remnants. That granted, wood doesn't last long. It could have been three years old. It could have been 10 years old. But it was the remnants of the bottom of a box call with a little bit of the sides, you know, still left on it. That's cool. And I've got it in my office. And I thought that was cool as hell. Like, what are the odds of setting down against a tree in a state that – you don't know a whole lot about getting lucky on a turkey and then finding that someone else sat at that same tree. I just hope that guy had the same kind of luck, you know? The exact oh, cool. same tree and the exact same spot. That's just too that's cool. That's nuts, man. I know yeah. I got it in the – I see it every day in my office. I'm like, that is just – that's never happened to me. It's probably one of Cameron's. Yeah. <laughs> it could be. It could be. <laughs> if it was a slate call, I would be calling you to see if I could get it back, but – Oh, it, man, that is cool. Ho- hopefully, he killed one and got so excited he jumped up and left his box call because he was sitting yeah. there. Yeah, I just hope it's one of those old timers that hung it up and doesn't turkey hunt anymore and never told anybody about that spot. Because if I ever go back to that place, I'm definitely gonna go check it out. So maybe he's not <laughs> on Facebook sharing that with everybody else. <laughs> Awesome. guys good luck to you man i've Thank enjoyed you. it you and too, hopefully too. you guys will have some guests on before long that are far more entertaining and have better news that you know the turkey hunting seasons and everything will i don't know one day maybe get all this sorted out who knows well, hopefully so yeah yeah maybe so but i in in 
you know, keeping things real. Kenny will be back on next week, and we'll have Kenny on the week after that, and then the week after that, and the week after that as well. So yeah, you guys, are, you guys will have a drinking habit, and I mean, it'll be bad. I mean, once a year is probably about anybody can stomach. I don't know, man. I've enjoyed it. It's been a lot of fun, and I really appreciate your time. It's always a blast having you on. You give some great perspective man, on things. So I appreciate it, man. Hope I didn't get too long-winded. Uh, yeah. Good luck to you guys this spring, especially you if you're traveling for your U.S. Super Slam. And uh, just, hey, guys, just slow down. Don't get in a rush. You got this. Yep. Appreciate it, man. Absolutely, guys. Take care. All right. Thanks. See you, buddy. Bye. Yep. But wait. There's more. Yes, indeed. <laughs> you know, we occasionally get our guests to call us back and say, hey, can you take out X or take out Y? You know, I didn't mean to name a name in this or, yeah. you know, I, I, I didn't mean to single out this person or, you know, whatever it happens to be. And we're always happy to oblige in those situations. You know, we, heck, these people, they're giving their time yeah. of their schedule, valuable time. And this time of year, hey, it's turkey season. Extremely valuable. Yeah. Yeah. So if someone calls and says, hey, I was thinking about what I said. And in Kenny's case, it's terrible. <laughs> Which it wasn't. <laughs> it wasn't. But it was pretty good. <laughs> he, he thinks that you think it's terrible. Thanks to yeah. me. So we said, hey, man, if you want to come on and tell stories, come on. So here we are. We have more of Kenny, which is basically a story, and it's a turkey hunting story. Doesn't get any better than this. What do you say, Cameron? You want to jump into it? Yeah, just a little background. Kenny decided he didn't like the stories he told about the bad birds and had a epiphany after he got off the phone of... Hey, actually, I do know of a bad bird after he told me about how he's never encountered one. Then he remembered one. But he wanted to come tell you all this story. So we left the other two in there. I thought they were good stories overall myself. And this one's even better. So we're going to hop in here. Have another story from Kenny. How about that? Here we go. (laughs) Let's do it. All right, man. Just to sum it up real quick, I had to to get South Carolina handled because I was getting on the back end of this – slam i think i was down to like six states maybe you know that the single digit run and there was a possibility uh going into 18 i could finish it in 18 uh i wasn't hell i wasn't hell bent on it if it happened i didn't care um i want to say i had like six or seven states i can't remember so south carolina was on that list so the problem with south carolina was Due to my work schedule at the time and everything else, my first trip to South Carolina was only going to net me two days of hunting, right? So I met a friend of mine who happened to be hunting up there. We were all hunting, as usual, just some big chunks of public land and all that jazz. And I met a friend of mine who'd hunted there for many years, and he just happened to be in the same area I was going. So we teamed up the first morning and went on some turf he was familiar with, and we struck out. We just didn't get in the game, whatever, and the place I was originally going to go check out in that area, I said, man, let's just ride over here and put our eyes on it, see what the timber and stuff looks like in person, whatever. So we decided, hey, he's going to tag along with me. We're going to go in there my second morning, just kind of feel it out. And we stand on this knob. We walked in there, I don't know, a few hundred yards or half mile, I don't remember. And we could just faintly you know, hear the back end of what sounded like a gobble. 
So long story short, we started pressing toward it. And when we got over in this area, we didn't we didn't hear anything. And there and there was some dirt, some and there was a fresh gobbler track in this patch of dirt. I mean, like really fresh. The grain was just still popping. And I'm like, he's got to be around here, you know, whatever. So we dropped down. I gave a call, and these two turkeys gobbled simultaneously, like a few hundred yards out from us. And I thought, well, we're in the house now. So make a move toward them and quickly realize that these turkeys are possibly on the other side of a very large creek, right? Due to the timber being so open and the way they were gobbling, if they were on the other side of the creek, they were literally like right on the edge of the creek or very close. So made a move, started working the turkeys. The turkeys were very receptive. They drifted toward us a little bit. But then they kind of drew their, their line in the sand, and I was like, all right, they're, they're on the other side of the creek. But before we could game plan to make a move, off my right shoulder, literally probably 75 yards, a turkey just thundered. I mean, hard. And the tree I was sitting at, I had just enough cover that I was like, if I'm going to make a move, I better make it now. Mm-hmm. And I went ahead and started my wheel around, and I got, pretty much where I needed to be, and I saw him coming down the bank. Well, it was that rascal that had left that track up in that old logging road. And when he gobbled, those other two didn't gobble. Mm -hmm. And I thought, he's heard this commotion wherever he was, and he's come over here to put an end to it. And that's exactly what was going on. And I looked over there. I saw him coming down this steep bank, and I'm right-handed. So I'm coming around trying to get in position to kill this turkey when he gets within range. And just like has happened so many times in my career, he gets down, he's in easy range, and I'm tracking him with my gun. And I don't know about you guys, but you can get tunnel vision doing that. And I tracked the the shot right into the side of a tree that was probably about 15 yards in front of my barrel, centered it, couldn't have hit it any better. Mm. blew the tree in half and when i tell you it happened so quick you know usually in a situation like that you'll see the turkey either run or fly off right i didn't i I pulled the trigger and the and the turkey disappeared i mean like i don't know if the if the tree exploding in front of me disoriented me or whatever but the turkey was gone and i'm standing there and i gotta drive back because i gotta go back to work that afternoon and i just struck out in south carolina big time and I had a witness, too, so there was no getting out of it, no fibbing my way out of it or telling people I didn't hear anything or it was a bust. I mean, it was just – it stung. So fast forward, I got to go to work for the rest of the week. I get to come back the following week, but guess what? I'm limited to two more days. Mm. So I get there in time. I get there late afternoon, but a couple of hours before dark, and I said, I'm going to go in there. And I'm going to find that rascal, hopefully, and, and get a plan together. Well, I walked back in there to where I thought I needed to be, and it is every bit of an hour, hour and some change before a turkey would even think about flying up, right? And I'm standing on this point, and I hear wing beats, and I look over there, and here that devil is, and he's pitching up into the biggest white oak tree on that ridge, over, very bright outside still. Like I'm like, what is he doing? And I watched him. He flew He flew up on that limb, and he stood on that limb, and I could just tell by his body language. I was like, you are a dirty rascal. You could just – he just looked cocky, ornery, like an old – like just a really old, angry man. You know, that, that guy in the neighborhood that won't even let the kids on the lawn and stuff yeah, like that? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Like 
and I'm looking at him and I'm like, Hey, there you are. And I'm looking at the terrain and I'm trying to put a plan together because if I have to sleep in there, that's what I'm going to do because I'm going to kill him when he flies down the next morning. That's the bottom line. That's just what's going to happen. So I'm analyzing where exactly he flew up from and I've kind of got it narrowed down, but I can approach him from where I'm at due to some things there that, that were some thick things and thick places in the woods and stuff like that. Yeah. So my approach is going to have to be from the other side of where he is. So I went back and I studied my maps. He never gobbled on the limb, never made a word, never made a sound. And I slipped out there without bothering. So I got up about two o'clock in the morning and I said, I'm going to use this creek drainage and I'm going to walk that creek drainage drainage down because he, he's roosted at the bottom of the creek drainage on the side of this point. And I said, he flew up from this little flat. That's I was pretty certain. And I said, I'm going to be within shotgun range of that flat when it before it even thinks about breaking daylight. Yeah. So I'll never forget because the last 100 or so yards took forever. I mean, literally one step at a time. Mm-hmm. And I had my tree picked out and everything was perfect. And I got my butt on the ground. And now it's just a waiting game. And I'm sitting there. Not, am I thinking a tree yelping or cackling or anything? Absolutely not. I'm no. thinking of him waking up, flying down, and then then handling it from there. Mm-hmm. Well, the woods start to wake up. Owls start hooting off in the distance, the whole nine yards, and he gobbled. And I'm like, I have pulled this off so far. I'm not naive enough at this point to even think that I've got this turkey dead. I've been in this place in this position far too many times to see things crumble at the last second. Yeah. Yeah. So mentally I'm prepared for failure. So I'm sitting there and about that time I see three or four deer coming around the point that I think he's going to land. at. Mm. Okay. And I'm like, this can't be happening. They're coming straight to me Uh, and he's still on. Yeah. And he's still on the roost and he's not gobbling hard at all. I mean, just, He's probably gobbled a handful of times at this point. I don't care if he gobbles at all, to be honest with you. Just fly down. And here come these deer, and they're feeding along this creek bottom. And they get out there with an easy, like, bow range or whatever, you know, 15, 25 yards of me. And they start doing that head bobbing thing, you know, that they do when they kind of see something, something's not uh-huh. right, and then the foot starts stomping and all that deal. Oh, uh-huh. And at this point, I could just about bend that Benelli barrel with my bare hands. Well, I, I mean, I am I'm a, just a ball of nerves because this is my second time to hunt this turkey. I've got him pegged, and this thing's getting ready to blow up in my face. And it did. You've been there Jeez. since three and a half hours before daylight. Oh, man. I started yeah. walking way early because I knew those last 100 yards, the leaves were dry. I knew those last 100 yards were going to be brutal. And they were. And so long story short, she started stomping and snorting, and they all busted and turned and ran right under him and ran off. Well, you know, at that point of the game, he's not going to fly down right there. And he didn't. He came off the roost a little later, set his wings, and glided back around the point where I'd watched him fly from the evening before. Mm. And I just fell out laughing. I thought, man, let's go do it. Let's, let's, Let's pick up. Let's get this going, you know? So... I saddled up, looped around on the turkey, came around above him, 
and danged if I didn't give a call and that turkey gobbled down in that bottom. Mm. And I thought, oh. So I got as close to him as I could and just sat down. And I was working on an extremely large project. That was what was keeping me out of the woods a lot then. And lo and behold, I reached in my vest and pulled my phone out. You know why? Because I had an important email that I needed to tend to. Mm-hmm. So I thought. <laughs> so I am sitting there holding my phone with this shotgun across my lap, which is a huge no-no after a turkey's answered you. And I don't remember the, the lapse, the time lapse there from when he gobbled. And I just kind of just felt that notion that I needed to look kind of up into my right. And when I did, he was about 25, 26 yards from me standing there. He never gobbled, never said a word, never drummed, never did anything. And I look up, and my gun is laying across there, and I have got my phone in my hand getting ready to reply to an email for work. Well, Mm. you can think, for anybody listening, if you ever think you can quit draw a gobbler, you've got you got a better chance of probably going to the moon or something just really offbeat. I'm sure there's some dudes out there that can make it happen that are just, you know, modern day Josie Wells or whatever, but I know better. So I'm not even thinking about trying to do anything stupid on this turkey. I'm just thinking worst case, he's gonna just drift off and we'll pick this game up in a little while. Well, that didn't happen. He kind of looked at me a little bit. <laughs> he putted one time, and he exploded into the air. Mm. And, I mean, when he when he flew, he flew completely out of sight down into the, the, the bottom below. I stayed in there on that turkey all day that day, and I never heard him. <clears throat> and the next morning, I went in there to hunt him, and the wind was blowing so hard that day, it was a bust. I couldn't find him. But did so you get now your email got- return, though? Yeah, I think I did, but I really just wanted to take that phone and prop it up and just drill it with that Benelli because (laughs) that's so unorthodox of me to do that stuff. And I let it, I let it force me into making a bad decision. It happens to all of us. It's customer service, man. You either, you either provide it or you don't. Yep. So, next customer has no idea how much he should appreciate that email. Oh, I know, man. And I've got a lot of business from him since then, so I I, I think it may have worked. Good. So here's the here's the kicker. Now I got to come back home. That's the third day I've hunted that turkey. The third day I never found him. Wind was blowing. It was a total bust. I had to get home. So I'm over three. I've missed him. I had the deer booger him off the limb, or or excuse me, change his landing zone. Then found him again was able to get him up again within chip shot shotgun range and he saw me sitting there holding the phone. So things aren't looking good. So mm-hmm. I'm not gonna give up on him. Long story short, I go back the next week. Guess what? Got two days. So first morning, go back in there to where he's been, don't hear him, don't hear a turkey anywhere. Nowhere. Once again the wind's gonna pick up again. So I'm like, you know what, man? I'm going to get down in that, that bottom that, that he, that I've called him in twice. And I'm just going to go sit down in there and just wait it out and see if he slips up and gobbles. And I don't know, it's around 10 o'clock in the morning and I'm not calling or anything. I'm just listening. Okay. You go down in there and you call in situations like that with high wind nine times out of 10, if you're blind calling in situations like that, those turkeys are going to be on you before you know it. And you're going to end up creating a mess. 
you got to be careful about that kind of stuff, you know. I mean, if you yeah. are going to do that call from one location, get up and move 75, 100 yards to where you can put your eyes on that location and don't call anymore. You see what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> so good tip. I wasn't calling or anything. Yeah, I wasn't calling. I was just listening. And I thought in, in in just a slight lull, I thought I heard turkey gobble. And it would have been right in there where he had been. Well, this creek that I was using at the time, you could take a Cadillac and stand it up on its nose, and you wouldn't see the tail that that thing was so deep. It was narrow, but it was extremely deep, probably five, six, eight feet wide, but no kidding, man, like 10 or 12 feet deep. And I said, I'm about to jump in that bad boy, and I'm going that way. So I slid down in that ditch or creek, whatever, and I start heading toward where I thought the turkey gobbled. And when I start getting in that last 40, 50, 60 yards, I geared down, and I realized due to some trees and stuff that were blown down in there that I've got to come out of this thing now, right? So I climb up out of it, and I'm on the ground at this point crawling, and I am just slowly crawling out of this creek and about that time, I look up and I see four or five hens who had seen my big, ugly head come up over the side of the creek bank scattering. And I'm thinking, there you go, dude. He was in here with those hens, and you just made a too quick of a move, and they picked you off, and we're right back where we started, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I'm sitting there thinking about just selling all my gear and getting a job at Foot Locker. Yep. And just to heck with this. And about that time, that turkey gobbled off my left shoulder so close that I just about had a heart attack. (laughs) And then it dawned on me and I said, oh, my God, the hens, the patch of woods the hens were in, there was some sunlight hitting the floor there. He was over in the shade. Uh. It was hot that day. It was real hot. He was on the other side of the creek. And I just scattered his hens out from under him, and he doesn't know what happened. Mm-hmm. Oh, man. I just rolled the dice and freaking hit the jackpot. <laughs> and I'm laying there, and I'm laying there, and I'm looking at where I am, and I'm like, I need about another 10 yards to get to where I can cover where I'm, to where I could cover my left side like I needed to cover my left side. There was a little bit of trash right at right where I was and I said if I can get about ten more yards on the ground, I can I can cover anywhere he is. Mm-hmm. And I made it. I made it. And once I because I could hear him drumming. So I'm crawling and he's over there drumming and I'm like, he's gonna start panicking in a minute because his hens are gone. So as soon as I crawled up to this little natural hump there on the floor, I let him know where I was. And he turned and he let one go at me, and I thought, here we go. To this day, I never heard that gobbler pitch across that creek. I don't know how the hell he got from where he was to my side, but he did. Sometimes they're just like ghosts. They just appear. And when I saw that turkey coming, he was probably, when he got across the creek, he was probably like 50 yards. And he's just ever so angling around. And he got to about, you know, I'm not one of these old vets that, let him get up there about 25 yards, call him in close. That turkey's 35, 40 yards, that's perfect for me. And um, he got about 40, maybe 40 and some change, and I'm going to be honest with you, I couldn't take it anymore. And it worked. You know, the shot was true. But when I tell you guys the elation, the overwhelming feeling of it was sad, 
I mean, I was happy, but yet sad that, you know, he had lost the game. I hadn't had one play it like that in a long time. Now, granted, a lot of it was just stupid luck, but I haven't felt – or at that point on the U.S. Slam, I hadn't had a turkey grab me like that. And oh. I didn't never felt that emotion like I felt with him as far as, like, he just physically and mentally beat me. And I sat there with that turkey in that little creek bottom for probably three hours, two or three hours, just sitting there with him. And, man, I'll tell you what, I, it was just a, a turkey I'll never forget because everything that could go wrong went wrong. And the way that I ended up killing the turkey, how many times do you hunt a turkey, especially how many days was that, uh, five days, four days? And you end up killing him because you got lucky. The hen saw you, but yet the gobbler was in a position where he didn't see you. Yeah. <laughs> and he thinks you're one of the hens that ran off through the woods because you spooked him like an idiot. And I just knew the moment when he gobbled and after the hens had ran off that I had literally just struck gold. And yep. it just paid off. And it was just a, it was just one of those hunts that you'll just, You'll just it'll just burn in you forever because it's a lot of people give up on turkeys when stuff like that happens and they think they're unkillable if you shoot at them and miss them or you spook them or whatever but they don't have long-term memory they just have an uncanny ability to avoid danger <clears throat> and you can you can flip misfortune you know in your favor if you're persistent i guess that's the that's the sum of the whole story just yeah. don't ever give up on on what you're doing you know yeah. so, <laughs> i hope that one was better i tried to condense it and make it could have been a lot more painful but i tried to give you the the cliff note version of what happened so no, it was just awesome. a missed him, up. scared missed him scared him had the deer and you know it just kind of all happened and i'm like i'm driving up there and driving back driving up there and driving back and when you go to a new state and you only have two days to hunt, it's frustrating. Yeah. Yes, it is. So is there luckily it was close enough to drive. Was there a particular reason you think that one after the first misfortune you decided I'm sticking with him? You know, like instead of just being like, Oh, okay, I missed him, I'm on to the next one. I don't know, man. I'm hard headed, I'm stubborn. Have you do you do had that I, often? I, like if you miss a turkey, you go back to him? Oh, absolutely. 100%. Yeah, I don't ever give up on a turkey as far as like period. Now, I'm not one of these guys that's going to hunt a turkey repetitively. Like you remember those old stories, man, that guy hunted that turkey all season and he didn't kill him. I'm not right. going to lose a lot of time stuck on a turkey, but I'll go back and revisit him. You can, I'll guarantee you that. Yeah. Um, it just depends on, on the situation. Like that place in South Carolina didn't have a lot of turkeys. Now, I had those other two, remember, from the first morning that were across mm -hmm. there? I had those other two, and I went in there another time after a misfortune with him and struck them again and spent an hour or better trying to crawl within range of them. They had two or three hens with them, but every time I'd gain 10, they'd drift 10, you know it? Yeah. And one day I ran out of real estate with them. So I was trying, if those other turkeys were gobbling, I was going to shoot one of them too. I wasn't going to, you know, pick and choose there with those guys. I was going to take what I was dealt. But that one really got under my skin because I could tell when he gobbled and with the way he stormed down the hill the morning I missed him. Yeah. I could tell he he was the dominant turkey in there. 
and he was coming over there to run those other gobblers off. And that made it even worse because he just, he just had an arrogant flair about him when he came down that hill and I missed him. And I'm like, you're the one that, that, that I want to deal with in here. Now I had to heard six or seven turkeys gobbling there. I would have played any card that, that somebody threw me, but those, <laughs> that, that, was the, that was the only game in town in there was those two. And then him. Yeah. So I just kind of sold out on him and, and lo and behold, when I walked out of there that day with that gobbler, I said to myself, I'm going to come back up here and hunt and hunt in here again, because you need a good butt kicking. You need to be, you need to be put in check on a, on a frequent basis playing this game. And he really did that to me. And I was like, I'll never forget this. And lo and behold, I went back up there a year or so later and right in there where those two were, there was one in there cutting it up. And it was a long, drawn-out, you know, strenuous hunt. And that turkey had, like, inch-and-a-half spurs. And, like, you just – I just don't kill a lot of turkeys with inch-and-a-half spurs ever. I mean, period. Those things to me are, like, one out of God knows how many, you know? Oh, yeah. But uh, – and I felt like that was one of those two. Somebody may have already killed one of his buddies or his brother or whatever. And it was it was, it was was neat to go up there and do that. Yeah, the, the one – I don't know, man. He just – something about him you know like watching him on the roost that afternoon you should have seen that devil he was sharp as a tack i'm watching him and i'm like any sound in the woods he was on it mm. i mean he was just uh you could tell he played the game he had some age to him he was an older bird just just fun you know you you meet a turkey like that every once in a while it just sticks with you that's awesome yeah it is. yeah but don't ever give up on one i've i've, I've actually killed turkeys the same day that i've missed them so don't ever give up on them. A lot of that has to do with the the nature of the miss, though. Yeah. You know, I mean, if you miss him and you may get a pellet in him or something you don't know, depending on the, the distance of the shot, you may need to back off and give him some time. But I've seen turkeys missed that gobbled at the miss. I mean, those, I mean, you think that's crazy, but I've had it happen more than once that you miss a turkey so bad, he probably thinks it's thunder, lightning, or, you know, a storm or something off in the distance. And, gobbles and then you can get a better better angle and work it out yeah I, I missed one so bad with a crossbow during fall archery season that i don't <laughs> think he ever ever has known that he was missed yeah so i mean you just got to be persistent nine times out of ten none of that stuff's gonna work out in our favor but every once in a while it will I mean, just got to keep hammering away man yeah well guys i appreciate you giving me a second chance heck hey. yeah man you get a Enjoyed second, third, fourth chance, whatever you want. You got it. No, nah, we're good, man. I, I won't bore y'all anymore, but I, I hope that was better. I'm pr probably sure when I get off the phone, you're going to be like, this guy just can't get it together, man. What a bus. And that's cool. Cameron will text but, me uh, again. He'll be like, gosh. Yeah. God, third sure time's not a charm. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. I don't blame him a bit, man. Absolutely. <laughs> I'll probably never talk to y'all again, but it was fun when we did it, no doubt. Yeah. <laughs> Kenny, um, good good luck with work this week, and uh, hope you get back after him soon. Hope hope you have a heck of a season. Thanks for sharing that with us. Yep. Oh yeah, man. I've already I texted a buddy of mine earlier, and I said, "Man, are you to that point already where you don't care about anything in life but turkey hunting?" And he said, "Nothing matters already." And I'm like, "That's how it is with me, man. It's there, you know." Yeah. It's it's on. Yes, it is. It's on, guys. Good luck to you. I hope good you both have you, a hell of a season and kill a pile of them. And I hope you guys make some great steps toward knocking this uh, slam out. Thank you. Absolutely. Thank you. Thanks, Kenny. You stay safe. All right, guys. Good. See you. Talk soon. Yes, sir. Bye-bye. Yeah. Bye. -bye. All right. Bye. But All right. wait.
no nope, that's all of it <laughs> that's all you get man oh goodness i'm telling you that's good stuff yeah just, he's a man he is he's a good dude and you know like we said last week he's just he's very cerebral he gives you things to think about that for me i've not really thought about it from that from that angle from that directive and you know i, I try to keep myself being open-minded Especially yeah. when it comes to hunting, you know, because I, it, it irritates me a little bit when people say this, but I do agree, and I don't know why it irritates me. We are all in this together, yeah. and if you don't fan, you know, there's really no reason to be bashing somebody publicly because they fan. If you don't, you know, if you want to shoot one at two steps with a bow and arrow because that's the way it was originally done— before we ever step foot on this continent or were born onto this continent, then more power to you. But that doesn't necessarily mean the guy that shoots him at 40 yards with TSS is going to hell. So, you know, I try to keep an open mind about things. Kenny, I think, keeps it a little bit more open for me because he comes yeah. at me from different angles with stuff. So I like that. He makes that. you think. He's yeah. a good guest. He, he asks us questions, which I find awesome. Cause like we usually don't get questioned. <laughs> That's true. That's kind of cool. And he's just all around cool dude. It's uh, I'm glad to share that with y'all. And so I hope you enjoyed that. And man, if your turkey season in is in, good luck this Absolutely. weekend or tomorrow or whenever you hear this. Good luck. Be safe. And if your season isn't in yet, I know you're ready. And get out there and do some scouting. I'm going in the morning. Absolutely. Now's the time. Data, intel, what you can gather now will pay off big time yes, when your indeed. season opens. Yes, indeed. So Very cool. You want to wrap it up? Let's do it. Thank you guys so much for tuning in this week. We know that you have choices. We appreciate you spending your time with us. We hope you have a wonderful week. And we look forward to seeing you again next week. Goodbye. Goodbye. Thanks for tuning in. You were just listening to the Turkey Hunter podcast. If you enjoyed the show, please go on over to iTunes and leave a five-star review. And make sure to head over to www.iamturkeyhunting.com to subscribe for free turkey hunting tips, tactics, strategies, and product reviews to help you have a more successful turkey season. And stay tuned for upcoming episodes on hunting afternoon birds, how to film your hunt, and the breeding cycle of hens, as well as some guest interviews. Thanks again for listening. We know your time is valuable, and we appreciate you sharing some of it with us. See you next week.